The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, uh, you know, you had a a little, I don't want to say busy weekend, but you had... uh, a collision course going on and a Super Bowl going on. Uh, wh- which was more uh, entertaining and profitable in the end for you? Uh, neither. I, you know, I did all right on the Super Bowl only because of the prop bets. So I felt it was going to be uh, San Francisco and over. And I was close. They were minus two that right. if, I could have did really well if Kansas City kicked a field goal to tie it and then San Fran came back and won the game. But I had a nice uh, prop bet that did me well. I had Pacheco over 15 and a half carries. And he had 15 right at the end of the game. So it went into overtime. Same thing with Mahomes on the last drive. It was over 36 and a half passes, and he was at like 30. So thankfully, they moved the ball. They got to 37. And then I had under 47 and a half, along with the Chiefs on the money line to win. So them kicking, they don't kick an extra point when they score the touchdown that wins the game. So I hit that prop bet, so that helped. Uh, at 10 to one should have bet more money. Obviously I bet 10 to one that there would be overtime. So I hit that bet. And then I hit, uh, that Kansas city would kick more than two and a half field goals. I bet that the entire game would have more than three and a half field goals, but some of the big parlay bets that I, you know, used not big money, but they, if I would have won, it was big money betting two, four dollars to win, you know, 300 and, You know, that that just didn't come through. And then having the bet with uh, San Francisco minus the two. So I literally probably, you know, bet five, six, 500 bucks on the game. And I got back like 450. So it was like almost a wash. Yeah. yeah, it's not so bad. I, I guess I can't complain. Yeah, that's that's not bad at all. And uh you know the the um, the end the end of the game. I think I saw you posted or some other people. Uh, so, is the NFL scripting now? Are we uh, are we fairly certain that? <laughs> yeah, that, you know that's that's the running joke. It's like whoever had the 49ers, oh, it was fixed. You know everything's fixed, and it's you know I if you want to be a conspiracy theorist. Okay, and and I like being that, you know. I can look at that and say, oh, Taylor Swift, Mahomes, they can't come back. Because San Francisco had a good chance to put that game away 
on many different occasions. Yeah. Caffrey never fumbles. Oh, he fumbled. And it's like, you're going to give Mahomes the chance to drive down the field? Like, I also had a bet that the last play of the game would be a game-winning field goal. And I only needed San Francisco to get that last first down instead right. of with a minute and 50 to go. Because right. if they would have a first down, then they would have had to call a timeout, the, the Chiefs, and then they would have called another. So it would have been first down with a minute and 50, right. and then had one timeout. So they would have went down to a minute and 45, a minute. So I may have lost that bet by five seconds because they might have had to kick a field goal if everything worked out after that with like 15 seconds left. But right. it's possible if they got one more first down, they would have got it down and they would have been able to kick the field goal whenever they wanted. Right. So, but, you know, I can't complain because I got the overtime and then the overtime got me the other prop better. I would have lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. So funny how that works out. Um, we were talking a little bit about collision before we started here. Uh, and uh, this week uh, was pretty impressive for opportunities uh, for some of the FSW uh, young talent. Um, and I say young talent, but you know, fairly veteran young talent, uh, like Kenny King. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got to see uh, Mondo and Robbie uh, sky high uh, wrestled the bucks out of all people. That's a, what a weird FSW like time warp connection there. Yeah. The former champs. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the young bucks <laughs> who are, now older than uh, probably Robbie and Mondo combined. Uh, Still younger than new kids on the block. Relax. Yeah, uh, true. But, you know, it's nice to see them get a chance to wrestle in Arizona, being that that's their uh, their home state. And uh, they did. No, a, New a, Mexico is their home state. But uh, they, they just said Arizona was their home state. Yeah, you know. Vegas is really their home state. Home but state. whatever. Yeah. Um, they put FSW down as their promotion, so right. Uh, but you know, the, they did a really nice job, uh, holding their own and, and showing a, you know a good showing. Uh, do you think that they're at that point now where, uh, if they got themselves a little more exposure or a little out uh, a little bit more, <laughs> that uh, you know, they can. Uh, start making their way uh, to, you know, some cities that maybe they've never wrestled in before and, you know, start building a, a little more diverse resume? Well, it's all about about making connections. You know, I ran into Chris Hero, who I didn't mention before the show to you. Right. That Chris Hero we used back in the IWF days. Uh, he wrestled. Uh, I believe it was ACH in the first round of our tournament. Uh, he won that and then ended up wrestling in a four-way against Drew McIntyre, Brian Cage, and now known as uh, Apollo Cruz. And that was the four-way for the, the championship. Wow. And I was by the catering. We were talking with the faction. And then he walked by and I was like, hey, how you been? And then we talked for a couple minutes. And he, he had mentioned Sky High had come down there. And they needed somebody. Uh, they were doing some kind of thing. 
and liked what they saw. And then a spot opened up and and they got to wrestle on the West Coast Pro Show. And I also put over the Suavecitos. And I was like, well, I'm glad they're good guys for you, my friend. You know, and it's hey man, the Suavecitos. The Suavecitos actually got tickets from Chris Hero. Chris Hero got them into the building. So, really, yeah, yeah, because they they didn't even get them backstage. Uh, I guess they didn't get the hookup. You know, there were some people that have been used on other ones because they obviously AEW did use the Suavecitos, and you know, they used Maserati in the past. She was back there and hoping uh, to get a match. You know, Uh, Kenny back there. I ended up leaving. So I didn't see that, you know, Kenny ended up getting a match. Yeah, he wrestled. Back, I believe, right? It was it was Dalton, Dalton Castle. Dalton yeah, Castle. it was Dalton Castle. And, you know, talk about <laughs> talk about a Ring of Honor match for a Ring of Honor show. It made sense. Uh, but it it's really cool when you get a chance to see uh, Kenny work a guy that he kind of, you know, he knows. You know, I think he's probably wrestled Dalton a little bit in his career. I would think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, no one really knew in the audience that Kenny was going to be on the show. So those 10 people who stayed around, uh, pretty sure Kenny didn't know because when I was talking with him, he was looking for a sit down with, uh, you know, someone, uh, with the initials TK. So by the time I left, he had no idea. You know, to Willie Mack, and I'm like, oh, who are you working? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I thought they were doing the 4 o'clock taping. I'm like, it's already 2.30. You don't know when you're working? And he was working, obviously, after. Did Willie end up working? Willie, I uh, no. In fact, the only thing Willie did was uh, came down when uh, FTR and uh, Claudio and Mox had a, a scrum going on. Uh, it was like Willie, Chris Daniels, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the faction and security shirts, that kind of stuff, like, you know, right. breaking stuff up. Uh, and I think, I guess the, I think the commentary, you know, mentioned Willie and stuff like that, but yeah. Cause when I looked at the you know. spoilers, I didn't notice Willie's name and I thought maybe I missed it because, you know, he was there thinking he was going to work, you know? Yeah. I'd actually talked to Cage today, and uh, you know he's got a feud going with uh, the Golden Knights, so maybe we can hook something up with the Silver Knights, and he could beat up their mascot. Yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> so Brian Cage, one of the most physique-wise, you know, massive guys that I've ever been around in terms of build, right? You know, Hammerstone's coming close, but. Um, to see Brian punch out Chase, the mascot, that was great. Good heat, really nice. And then Hook comes out to save the fucking day. Hook. There you go. You know, Taz has taught him well. Oh, man. It's like Brian Cage's one leg is the size of Hook. It's like, come on, man. I don't know. It, it just annoys me sometimes, but but it was entertaining. It was entertaining to say the least to see Brian. Uh, you know, uh, Prince was was dancing with with Chase, and then uh, yeah, 
cage clocked uh, Chance. So that See, was... they should have had Chance dancing with Melissa. <laughs> and that could have yeah. set something up. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I guess you're going to have to talk to Omar and see uh, if uh... – Yeah. Um, we'll get it done. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the faction actually – it was funny. The, the faction wrestled uh, Ice and uh, um, who was it? It was Ice Braxton. and Braxton. Yeah. So the faction uh, wrestled Ice and Braxton. That's kind of yeah, crazy. It was, it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but Ice and Braxton wrestled uh, the Outrunners. But I saw they had uh, Fresco and Watson at ringside. They did. That was interesting. Yeah, and Fresco and Watson did. The, you know the. I heard it the, didn't really help much though. It, well, it helped when they walked uh, the two guys back to the ring after, or back to the back. They needed the assistance, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, but hey, two former FSW women's champions got to be in the Ring of Honor tournament. Yep. Uh, and Viva did a great job against Abaddon. Um, you know, if, if, if Maz would have gone in there, it would have been the trifecta. Yeah. Um, you know, Sandra Moon uh, did a, a really nice, solid job against Red Velvet. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's just when you think about the connections and stuff, and you see just kind of how that Ring of Honor card, which is great, it's essentially dark, right? You know, whatever they were doing on the internet before, um, just with a little more prestige. I still don't understand how Darby Allen is wrestling in the main event of Ring of Honor, you know. <laughs> Like, it was just particularly to keep people around knowing that Darby would be wrestling so they can keep people from leaving. Um, well, it's either that or offer them money. So I guess that's a better way. Yeah. <laughs> there was a company who'd run at Samstown. They would pay people this day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, didn't really work out either. No. <laughs> you but, know, yeah. what can you do? And, and yeah. You know, I, I truly believe Ring of Honor could have stood on its own with Tony Khan owning it and running it, yep. but it being Ring of Honor. And, and and it's disappointing because they have the Dalton Castles yep. and they, you know, and they got the old school and they got Claudio there if they want to use him, but he's really an AEW guy. Right. But they mixed in some of the new young blood to go along and, you know, having the Young Bucks make an appearance, you know, they're Ring of Honor legends. Right. And, and it, it's disappointing because I think the opportunity was there. And, you know, making it just a YouTube show or is it just on the Honor Club? Because yeah. Ring of Honor, if they went to Samstown and did five, six, seven hundred people, they'd be very happy. Yeah. And... and you know, running after you taped for an hour, you did a two-hour live show. You're into the fourth and fifth hours. Yeah, and, you know it's hard to keep people there. And, and the bottom line is, it's not treated as if it's Ring of Honor. Right. It's treated as like it's two o five or main event. Exactly. And it yep. should be just a totally separate entity. Yep. You can own it and still be separate. You know, I I don't understand. You know, you bring Dalton Castle, you bring the boys. It's like you got the old school and you got the Daniels and, and Claudio's and, and you had Punk and you got the Bucks and, 
you know, have all these guys, but you, you know, Brody King, but I get it. If you don't, but I don't like the idea of, hey, you're on AEW this week and you're on Ring of Honor next week. It's like separate. Have a million guys on your roster. You can go with a Ring of Honor roster. If you think Brody King deserves to be a main guy with House of Black, then let him be it. Doesn't need to be on Ring of Honor. You don't need to have Claudio be there. It's like, hey, Samoa Joe's going to win the TV title at Ring of Honor, but next week he's going to lose on AEW television. Well, right. who cares? Right. Well, and, and it's interesting, too, um, the fact that they're doing a women's tournament for a women's television Ring of Honor title when All of they, the internet title at least jeez yeah it's like oh my god like you really need two women's belts on that show right and and what they've been doing like Athena's been doing some of her best work uh that she's done um she's gotten the chance she's shown and it's one of those things where that's the type of person you want to elevate to the main shows and then put that women's title on someone you're still trying to develop a little bit more instead of putting, say, that TNT or TBS. Right. Title. So you got the AEW women's champion, you got right. the TNT champion, and I believe you have tag team champions, correct? On the AEW show, do they have tag teams? I don't even I don't remember now if they had it and then it went away or if that's ROH and it went away. But isn't there a TV title? A heavy uh, uh, women's champion, but isn't there a third singles belt alone for women in AEW? It's the it's the ROH. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so now they're nice. gonna have a TV title for the Ring of Honor. So yeah. the, you know, before you're telling me they don't have one tag team women's. See, and that's the thing. I don't think they did the women's belts, but. They may not have. It's it's hard to keep up when you have the international, and you know Larry Zbysko is going to come back and defend the Western States heritage title that they used to have. <laughs> oh, you know twenty. Man. You know I, I get you got one hundred and fifty guys, but man, twenty belts. You you have no idea who the champions are. It's like it took me a minute to realize. Oh wait, Samoa Joe's now the big champ on hey. the main. Show. Um. That's yeah. That's something that. Uh... I think it was. And Orange uh, Cassidy has a belt, and yeah. somebody else has a belt, and somebody else has a belt. And and then the of course don't forget the FTW belt, which yeah, that's yeah. Someone has maybe now. I don't. I think Hook has it, right? Hook had it, and then someone else took it or something. I don't know. It started with Cage, and then I guess it was you know Hobbs and Ricky Starks, and yeah, it's. I, right, and then know, they have the one that Ricky Starks won. Then they right. had the one that Wardlow won seven times. That one's the that's the TNT, and then the women's is the TBS, okay. which is right. another thing that is confusing as hell. Is let's just put the network on the titles. <laughs> you know, the yeah. YouTube champion. Yeah. Uh, oh man, but you know it's. I mean, again, the the best thing is we know a lot of people 
we have a lot of friends. Uh, it's great to see people getting work. And it's nice to see, I, I got to say, on our side uh, of the arena, there were a number of FSW fans who really uh, were supportive of the uh, talent when they came out. And, you know. It, now if they only show up to the FSW show, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I, I got disappointing news when I was talking to Sean Dean and, you know, trying to set up for Double or Nothing weekend. We're talking about a, a Natural Born Killers. We're talking about a Mecca. We're talking about a Future Legends Women's Tournament. Talking about GCW. Talking about FSW versus GCW. The, the Ed's Poter Show. You know, that's the only one that's a go for so far. Right. But. And I'm like, hey, how's the schedule going to work? And Sean Dean said some things that were very hurtful and said, yeah, I don't think we're doing Wednesday Dynamite here this year. I think we're doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm like, oh, shit. You're talking about Willis? Oh, no. you got to be kidding me. You know, all this stuff has been set in stone, but – if they're doing collision at four o'clock, they tape till nine. And then Saturday or Saturday's collision and Friday's rampage. Right. You know, so now it looks like the window is, yeah, we could do something Thursday night, but there's not going to be nearly the amount of AEW fans in town. Right. GCW is going to try to take the best option of the Friday or Saturday night. Right. Now, they can get away with doing a 10 p.m. start because they got their built-in fan base. And if it ends at 9 or it ends, you know, it ends at 7. So, as you said, most people didn't stick around for the two hours after that taping. So right. they could do a 9 o'clock start and probably be okay. But now that only leaves Ed's doing the Saturday at noon – we only got like one option, and that's like Sunday at noon before the pay per view. Pay per view, yeah. Which we never had problems doing FSW versus GCW that way, but we were hoping for like a Friday night standalone show, and and that's when we would do the Mecca with everybody in town, yeah. and maybe throw in a late night, you know, Q and A one night only with some wrestling legends. And I had all these big plans and big ideas of what we wanted to do, and it looks like. Uh, I'm going to have to hit up Sanjay and, and, and you know, get a full update yeah. on what's happening because we're in the middle of February, March, April, May, only three months away. We would start probably getting things set up in the next, you know, three weeks to a month. That way, when we do March 31st, no escape. You have the promotion. Everything already. would be there. The flyers would be ready to go. Tickets would be on sale. We'd announce the people. Uh, I had a big phone call today. Uh, it looks like we have locked in the Vegas Toy Con this year. And, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to – Sting and Mick Foley are going to be there. Uh, we're going to do a big show Friday night, which, again, is perfect. It's, you know, WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday, and we're going to do an early afternoon Saturday show. Okay. And they plan on, you know – airing WrestleMania there and having a party 
And I'm trying to convince them that if you're going to have the party, giveaways are great, but you probably need a guy like Mick Foley to host the party. Sure. Or if not. So, you know, and I've also talked with them to bring in some talent. Like the last time when we did it with them, uh, they brought in Tessa Blanchard on their dime and we got to use them on the show, use yeah. her on the show, which we ended up using her on the Mecca uh, the next day also. So, right. you know, we're talking with somebody close with us who the other problem is WrestleCon is in Philly, WrestleMania weekend. Right. So the idea of using a, a Hammerstone and a Bay to build up this big Friday night show. Now I got to get on the horn. You know, is Limelight available? Is Bay available? Is Hammer available? You know, TJP, Cage, Cobb, you know, yep. some of the bigger name guys that live in this town, Willie Mack. You know, we want to make the Friday a big show. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, and it's interesting, you know, like you said, that's, I think a lot of times what people don't really realize when you're dealing with an independent promotion is when you get the opportunities, now you have to put out all these feelers and you're, you're literally, you know, in, in game shows, what we used to do is we used to have a whiteboard essentially and we would just it would be name after name after name trying to find the best recipes that we could find based on the schedules of the contestants we wanted to use so that we'd have the most competitive games and the most interesting shows it's a fucking hard thing to do and i could only imagine you know when it comes down to you know not only seeing schedules availabilities but then negotiating prices if, you know, and flights and, you know, just all the things that potentially go into producing uh, a bigger show when you get the opportunity in front of you. It's, um, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And I think a lot of times there are promoters out there who are very good at uh, just kind of sitting back and, thinking their promotion is just fucking the best and that small fan base of 200 peoples in that small town, you know, they are their own world, you know, just the greatest thing ever, which is nice, but it's that reality, you know, of that's community theater. Here you are, you know, doing a, a regional, production and it's hard to fucking balance all that stuff so you know i think sometimes you, you don't get enough um of that of that aspect of, of credit for just all that goes into you know finding out well hey we got all these great ideas and then oh shit they're gonna do friday saturday and sunday fuck you know it's it's amazing yeah, yeah you know and, and you know, fluctuating and things changing. And it's like, okay, you know, people think it's simple, but there's so much that goes into it. Well, the, I, should, it, I should have a master class on, on, on promoting and how to put together a show. I'll tell you. Did you, did you, did you see the flyer online for uh, someone who uh, is doing uh, a uh, workshop who 
I think you could probably uh, rival him and uh, do one. You're going to tell me Marquez is doing one? I am absolutely going to tell you that. Wow, is he doing a master class? I don't know if it's a master class, but I know it's probably about three, four hours of uh, Marquez's, uh, you know, talking about how he's uh, an Emmy winner. So, hey, <laughs> hey man. Um, you know, hey, sometimes you got to see when you go, well, if Sapolsky could do it. <laughs> hey. Why not? Yeah. You know yeah, what? And, you know, and they're both kind of the same. They're polarizing. You got a bunch of people who will say nothing but great things about both of them. And then you got a whole bunch of people that have nothing but negative things to say. Yep. So, but I, I guess I could be thrown in that class of people saying positive versus people saying negative. Yep. You know, I got a lot of people who gotten behind me and say, Joe's, Joe's great. And then you got others. Ah, oh, fuck that motherfucker. He's a fucking asshole. You know, Sorry, sorry, I didn't make you the champ. You know, just weren't good enough. But you know, people want to believe. Yeah. No, I mean, Bassman had the same problem too. You know, um, I, I think, I think honestly, it's it's the people who have the experience and who have um, established a um, you know a, a bloodline to different you know, for, for wrestlers to get different opportunities to then go on and have careers. I think that's where you see a lot of the people who hate and a lot of people who have respect because there's only a handful of you guys who have done this where it's been successful. You know, um, if you look at the, you know, there's, there's only a few companies on the East coast that can say it. And there's only a few companies on the West coast that can say it. And that's it, you know, and, and Booker T and Booker T, you know, so well, I've seen on Twitter recently, he's uh, been having some issues with, you know, what's been going on in the Houston area and, and you know, some people or ex students kind of taking shots and, you know, unsafe working things. And it's like, you know, don't know the whole story. And you have one side that's out there and it's like, oh, it's unbelievable the things that you said and we support you. And then you got the other side where it's like, well, uh, I'm not sure about this story. And, and we've gone through it and anybody's going to go through it when you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of of men and women in a, in a place where they, they become friendly and, and, you know, things happen outside of the business. Yeah. And unfortunately it, it's pretty disappointing because in almost every case, you know, as they say, there's three sides to every story. Yeah. You know, and you don't wish ill will upon anybody. And, <laughs> you know, when something happens in house, you you try to deal with it as best you can, but you never know if you're if you're right or wrong. Yeah. So, you know, and then I guess uh, Booker has a new mandate that I was told about that I don't disagree with. That if you're involved in a storyline, you know, take your bookings and you know he's out of Houston, 
you know, go to San Antonio, go to Dallas, go to Austin, wherever, go to Fort Worth, do whatever you want to do. But when you're in Houston, don't fuck up the stories. Yep. You know, and in some cases, you know, that's happens, you know, yep. you know, again, it's in Phoenix. Oh, well, you know, Koa versus Hero. Well, it's two guys at the MK Army. I'd go nuts if it happened in Vegas. Right. But, you know, and again, I don't have any say. I, that that becomes the wrestlers. It's not the other promoter. It's right. the wrestlers saying, hey, this is what I can't do. I remember years ago when Royce and Jarrell just started getting some momentum. And I think it was Mikey Gordon was doing something in San Diego. And all of a sudden I saw a flyer and it was like Royce versus Jarrell. And, like, I hit those guys up immediately. I'm like, bro, what are you guys doing? I'm like, you want to wrestle each other. That's cool. But it needs to be in a situation that it actually means something. Right. And go back to the days of the Reno scum that they were wrestling in a big tournament called the King of the Indies. And Luster ended up wrestling Thornstone. Well, there was a lot on the line, and that was a big deal in the indie wrestling community. Absolutely. The show with 120 people, it's like, you guys are trying to be the brand. You're the 1%. You don't need to wrestle the singles match. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes people don't want that. You know, it's the same thing when the faction, they're trying to go out. You know, it's hard for another promoter to use five guys that want to be aligned together on a show. Right. Because if you do five guys, shit, Kenny will probably work a singles. I you got to do two tags in a single. Right. You're allotting at least three matches, maybe four, to an outside entity. So yeah. It's difficult. And it's hard to take what you want to do. And I get it. In our situation with the five guys, it's easy. They're local. So two may not wrestle that day. Right. Still coming out, they're still a part of the show. But you're not going to fly somewhere else in the United States to accompany a guy to a ring because, first off, the other company's not going to plane tickets for guys to sit on the ringside. Right. So, yeah. you know, the independent world, you know, things are a little easier. People may fly themselves in because it's spirit. Guys, hey, we got. Like that, for example, we do the Future Legends. Well, guys like Jared Diaz and, and Richard King, who's now Richard Adonis, and Robert Martyr, and, you know, they figure a way to get out here because I'm going to guarantee them that they're going to be in the Future Legends show. They're going to be in this show, and my kid's running a show, and you're probably going to be in that one. Right. So it's worth them, it for them to get the exposure and the footage and going out west to get on three shows in a, in a weekend. And if they're lucky, maybe GCW decides to use them or Revolver decided to use them. Or at that, when we did it a couple of years ago, Black Label Pro ran. So, you know, guys are, you don't need to take advantage of those situations. Yeah. But again, it, it's sometimes tough because you got your crew and these guys want to come out and, you know, I'm still reading emails every day. Hey, we're going to be in town in, in May. We'll, you know, love to work a show. Yeah. So would a million people, guys. You know, it's, right. not, it's not that simple. I've never heard of you before. I don't know who you are. 
He could be or, great. He could be the shits. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing too. It's you know, I think like you said, the connections. Um and if 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 you're younger and you're still building connections, the other thing is you're going upon reputation of where you've trained and you know you also have to you have to know how to put together a reel that isn't just spots you know you have to show something that can you know sell yourself um and what and what your uniqueness is because everyone can do the same spot shit now right so um, man, if you're good on the mic, you better have some really good footage of you talking. Um, and it, it helps when you come from, you know, Gangrel's school or, you know, Nightmare Factory or something like that. When you're trying to come out West, you have a little reputation behind you. I think it's funny the ones who don't necessarily have all that much time in at a school and then try to you know, say that, yeah, I was trained by so-and-so at, you know, the nightmare factory. And it's just like, who are you? You know, um, what's your brand? Who's you? sell yourself. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, you know, you got to make those connections. Um, but you also have to know how to sell yourself in the right manner. And that's, that's a tough thing to learn. Um, and I think that's why it's valuable, like guys like D'Lo, you know, if you're not going to his class when he's around, what are you doing? You know, that's to me, it's the, it, like that's the type of stuff. Go to those promo classes. Go to the guys who have been, you know, around. Go to Sin and just pick Sin's brain anytime you have a chance about how do I get seen? How do I get known? Because I know the WWE is looking for uh, you know, if you want to get into the performance center or NXT, best thing to do is get, you know, half a million followers or more, <laughs> build up that, that social media, build your brand because they like that right now that you have, um, that's why they go with these athletes is because these guys can be molded and they already have an instant following, which is huge. No doubt about it. So, you know, speaking of uh, uh, upcoming and, you know, things going on here, uh, what's the latest for uh, the upcoming show? Oh, this Friday night. Uh, yeah, we got uh, High Octane, uh, The Road to No Escape, I guess you could call it. Um, <laughs> you know, might as well. It's it's the continuation. Unfortunately, we had to uh, move No Escape to March 31st. And obviously, the Super Bowl happened this past weekend. So the casinos are very, very busy with many other things that are not involving wrestling. So, you know, this week, because we're, we're taping early on a Monday, so... You know, in the next day or two, I'm going to be contacting to make sure. Because at worst, March 31st is locked in as the date. You know, if something happens that the casino don't go through, then I guess we're going to be doing it at the FSW Arena. Sure. I'm told it's good, but 
I've been told that many times before. So, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty loaded up. You know, we got this weekend. So, uh, Brett, the threat's going to wrestle Jimmy Jack, the regulators coming off their loss, uh, trying to bounce back and get back into the title picture. They're going to wrestle the young team of, uh, Davion and Demir, the killer D's. Um, we just added, uh, well, earlier we had already announced the heavyweight title will be on the line and right. it's be Shogun making his first defense, by the way, right. Uh, taking on Duke Lawrence, big Duke, uh, with the MK Army. MK will be there as well as the rest of the Army. Uh, we just announced today that No Limits champion Bodie will be defending his championship uh, against one of our top rookie candidates, RBJ, Renegade B. Jackson. is going to get an opportunity for gold. You know, you know we just uh, won one up in North Dakota. Yeah. In his first match out there. Yeah. So... You know, maybe he can go two for two. But uh, we were trying to set up and we were looking maybe a multi-man match. But as of right now, we have a number one contenders match where the winner will wrestle for the heavyweight championship. So the winner of Shogun and Duke Lawrence at no escape will be Hero Lou versus Matt Vandegrift. So... I'm pretty sure that's going to be a first-time matchup. And that's going to be a number one contenders match. So uh, Danny Limelight is there. Uh, We just had him uh, announced. That'll be probably uh, on the flyer tomorrow. Uh, He'll be taking on another young rookie who's getting an opportunity, uh, John Trademark. Okay. Coming off a victory. And this will be the biggest match of his career as Limelight prepares because it's already been signed, sealed, and delivered, ready to go. Danny Limelight versus Hammerstone inside the steel cage. Uh, So I guess Limelight's going to use this as a teaching moment for John Trademark. Any any chance that uh, Mr. Graves might uh, just make a drive in to – Retribution. You know, you know, Graves came in a few months back and Danny Limelight beat him. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's interesting what's going on in that storyline. And uh, it's fun to see. Uh, it's fun to see Danny, uh, you know, really stepping up his uh, his game on. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know. I Nobody knew he was an artist until uh, he design the new hammerstone poster are you are you uh, have you settled on uh if you're going to auction that one off uh it is still up there so it was up there for the last show hopefully it'll be down by friday or i ordered another one so i'm docking danny limelight's pay for sure <laughs> and hopefully we'll get that up uh shortly uh, well you know Dan- danny's daughter is successful enough that i think danny can pay for it so <laughs> i think so and congratulations to her, man. She had a really good break uh, with the uh, the movie that's out right now. So yeah, you know, despite having Danny as her father, she was still able to overcome. <laughs> um, you know, what do you when you look at uh, when you look at what's going on? You, you mentioned like the Renegades, uh, and you got the uh, 
the young guys and the killer D's. Um, what do you what do you see when you see you know the Suavecitos out there uh, making their way? You got Ron, Robbie and Mondo and Scott Hyde making their way. Uh, you know your champs are you know guys who have, have been you know international. Um, tag team wrestling sometimes just gets so overlooked, and here we are. You're starting to get a nice little you know got pole boys. He's getting a nice little tag team buildup now. You know, we got Tito and Che on the side whenever we need them. Yeah. It's, the regulators are excellent. <laughs> Man. Um, but that's the Billionaire I mean, Boys Club. Yeah, the Billionaire Boys. Jesus. So, I mean, how do you, because, you know, sometimes it's, it's tough because tag team wrestling is, uh, you know, a little, a little difficult to, you know, get two guys, so now at least it gives more spots on the show for you know instead of uh, you know two guys, you got four guys. Uh, if you're doing a three or a four way, you got you know six to eight guys wrestling, which is great. Um, but it's such a a skilled thing that um, how do you how do you keep it where? You know, it's not getting overlooked by some of the other stories. How do you keep stories in a tag team division? Uh, and especially nowadays, you know, back in the day, the best thing about tag team wrestling was the managers. And it's harder now to tell those, you know, stories in tag team wrestling because of the fact you don't have the Bobby Heenan's, the Jimmy Hart's, these guys, Gary Hart. Oh my God. You know, you think about some of those managers who wrestled, who, who managed uh, Sherry Martell and Harlem Heat. I mean, the manager was so integral to tag teams. Um, is it more difficult now for these guys to, you know, be able to kind of develop who they are as, you know, it's hard enough to develop yourself as a person, let alone as together as one entity, and then to be able to sell yourselves. I mean, it's just amazing how much talent you have. Is that tough to just kind of fit it all in so that the you know those guys aren't getting ignored? Well, look look at tag team wrestling. You know, a lot of people have said over the years it's really. Uh, really taking a downfall. Vince wasn't really big on it. If you found the tag team, you know, that means you're paying four guys to be in the ring instead of two. And if you saw something in somebody, you wanted them to be a single star. But right. look at the tag teams. You got Mondo and Robbie. They're two brothers. Yeah. You got Glass and Devin Reno. They're half brothers. You got Royce and Jarrell. They were two guys that were just – hanging around. I needed a tag team because best friends, Remy and, and Jack Manley went to China and, uh, you know, other tag teams went to China, needed them. They gelled. They had their biggest success. Both of those guys could have easily went out and tried to become single stars. And you see them out there doing some single stuff, but they're trying to present themselves as a tag team. The Reno Scum was a tag team. The Suburban Commandos before were a tag team. Oh. And nowadays, well, Chase Bell and 
and Jimmy Jack. Well, if you look at him, you're like, what do these guys have in common? Well, they grew up together in Louisiana in a wrestling school. So they became good friends. And because of one, the other moved out to Las Vegas, part of FSW. So to have a successful tag team in a lot of occasions, it's because there was, there is a natural bond. Right. And obviously Royce and Jarrell didn't have it, but they created one. They were, they were part of Santino's Tito like Che, and they didn't tag team in California till I put them together. Right. Because we, they were like, Hey, you know, whether it was, Tito or Douglas James or Eli Everfly. It was like the Santino's crew. And yep. at that point, I needed a tag team. And they were good friends. They drove up together. They worked out together. It's like, hey, I think they can work as a tag team. Che was a little younger and less experienced. So it was good for Che to be in the ring. Hammerstone and Graves was the same way. Two guys that would drive up together from Arizona. But they weren't really in a tag team. Graves was, uh, I believe, uh, with this guy who actually worked a pre-show match with us, Julian. And Julian thought he was going to get signed in six months, and when he didn't, he quit. And it was just going to be simple. And wow. went back to doing what he was doing. And then, again, sometimes it's because you like two guys, you want to get them on a show. Sometimes it doesn't always work. There isn't always that spot. And then right. you give an opportunity as a tag and it's sink or swim. You know, the thing is you're always seeing the people, the suavecitos, Hey, I think there's a shot to put them together. And I did do that. But what happens is sometimes, which we've seen with a lot of tag teams I put together that they wanted to have individual success. They didn't love the partner they had. It was, you know, sometimes I'm putting them together. Right. Like Royce and Jarrell, they clicked. Davion and Demir put them together. Thought it might work. Two young kids, hungry, you know, need, needed a spot, wanted to give them a match. And you either embrace it or you don't. And if you don't, well, you may not be on that next show. Yeah. But if you work hard and you look like you're making the effort, well, hey, this, this might be their in because everybody's looking for the in. You know, when you got 38 guys and there's 24 ins, you're going to do whatever it takes to be that in. Right. And, you know, it, it's not easy. Everybody, everybody wants an opportunity. Yeah. And again, sometimes you never know that somebody can outgrow somebody. Somebody can decide they want to go in the gym more and the other guy seems a little lazier. And that becomes a conflict. You know, look at Death Proof. Jake and Cody, they were they were running on all cylinders. Yeah. And, you know, the turning point was FSW GCW1, where Cody wanted that death match with Nick Gage. Yeah. And, and maybe in a singles match, it would have been. But... Nick had worked the night before. He's been pretty banged up. Uh, Brett at GCW was like, hey, we'll put AJ Gray in. You know, Nick ain't doing that great to work another singles match. Yeah. So why would I pick Funny Bone to team with Cody? Of course, I'm going to ask Jake 
to do it, but he didn't want to be involved in that type of match. Perfect for Funny Bone. So, so, so the moral of the story is Jake is a very smart man. Many people can say that. <laughs> and everybody has choices to make. Right. And, and at that point, Cody was excited about maybe the opportunity to do a little more hardcore style matches. And in that case, the tag team just wasn't flowing. Jake wanted to do his thing. So, you know, no harm, no foul, no anger, no animosity. They decided, hey, you know what? I think it's best for both of us. It's time to take a break. Now, the break could be six months. The break could be forever. You know, they wrestled a singles match when Cody came back. Right. Now, Jake's needed some backup. Cody is there for him. Cody's taking a step back because he sees that Bateman has basically gone after what we like to call Cody's kids. Right. You know? Right. And Laz, Alice Blair, uh, at Future Shock, Bateman showed up to deliver a message to Andy Delgado, another Cody kid. And decimated him with nobody else around. That message got received, Joe. Message got received. I'm pretty sure it did. You know, that was yeah. some beatdown. And so now, you know, Cody and Jake and maybe Andy are on one side. Sure. And now you got Laz and Bateman and, you know, Alice Blair. And more credit to Bateman. Maybe. If you look at the shows, Laz and Alice Blair haven't been on a lot of shows. Right. Now, because they're now involved with Bateman, they're in FSW a lot more. So I could see it. What did Cody do for him? You know, he may have helped train him, but it wasn't like he was helping him get booked. While Bateman has taken a liking to them, put him under the wing. You know, it's wrestling. Allegiances, it's it's easy to change allegiances when you feel that that person is doing more for you than that than the guy who you did. And that's part of wrestling. So, But the brilliance of it, Joe, and I think this is what any good performer can buy into to make it that much better, and that is that's life. That's real life right there, right? Everyone's always trying to switch alliances if this person can help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve in my life. And I think that's the brilliance of pro wrestling and storytelling right there. Before I ever had a wrestling show, I was a radio host on KLAV locally. I did a show called The Wrestling Zone, okay? And Buffalo Jim had run shows. So, of course, I'm reaching out to him, and we get some of the guests and Johnny Psycho Payne and, and a lot of the local guys that, like, he was from San Francisco and, and Rush. That's how I met Rush and, you know, many others. And I remember uh, the Honky Tonk Man was brought in. And the Honky Tonk Man was wrestling superstar Mike Lane. Mike Lane was the trainer for... Uh, Buffalo Jim's school after Yokozuna passed, and then he ended up becoming the trainer for for Rush with the 
when Rush had the UWF, the Ultimate Wrestling Federation, that was named on my wrestling show through the votes of the fans. I became the winner. And I remember talking with uh, Honky Tonk. And I'm going to leave out the sordid details about things in the hotel rooms and after the shows and all the other stuff. But needless to say, Honky Tonk is like Brutus Beefcake is hitting him up for bookings. And his response is like, you know, fuck these guys. When they were in WCW, they ain't calling the Honky Tonk man to go up to the hotel room and beer and hang out. Like, why am I going to try to get that guy booked on a show? He may take my spot on the fucking show. And I always remembered that. And this was before Joe DeFalco even had an idea of wanting to start a wrestling promotion. <laughs> but years later, you know, I've had conversations with people and some things have come up. And, you know, one guy and I was like, here through another one of our guys. You know, one of our main dudes talks to him and he hears something that eh, he didn't really like hearing about somebody. And it's like, hey, what's going on? You know, I vouched for this person. Sure. I'm going to look like a fucking asshole. And that's why it's like if somebody reaches out and vouches for you to get you an opportunity, you should be forever grateful. Yeah. Sometimes, unfortunately, I've had conversations and it was like, you know, I put in the word, you know, I got you this booking that got you paid twice what you normally got. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, you guess. You can reach out to the motherfucker. It's like, wow, how fucking ungrateful are you? Or ungrateful, like, how delusional are you that you don't think I've helped you out? Right. Because I pay you this amount or you're a student and you don't get paid this amount. But when my guy Ed in San Antonio is trying to do a women's show, I'm trying to make sure my people get on that show. Right. I don't have to do that. Right. I reached out. I saw Zamaya at uh, the show on Saturday. And it was like, did you reach out? I'm like, did I did I reach out to you about that? Because I hit up Brittany Brooks. So she's booked on that show. Viva Van's booked on that show. Maserati and Rochelle are booked on that show. That was because of me connecting. I'm like, I'm going to hit up Ed and make sure that you're going to be on that show. And more importantly, you're going to be paid more than I pay you because that's how it works with this guy. Right. He's for the talent, he does one show and he's gonna pay your rate. Yeah. Well, I'm the bargain shopper, you know. I'm not I'm not gonna drop my level of talent, but I'm gonna ask people, hey, you want to come in? You're gonna get good opportunities. This is what I could pay you if you're if you're good with it. But if something comes along, I can get you more money here, or get you booked there, or get you looked at, or hey, send me some pictures. I'm gonna send them to Conan at AAA. Maybe he'll he'll like what you see. You know, I'm always networking to try to help as many people as possible. Right. The opportunity arises. You know, I just got word. You know, I got hit up from Conan about Santana Jackson. 
And I saw my guy, Ruben, from Mass Republic. And Ruben works for AAA. They did the uh, yep. uh, the Lucha Con, I guess you can call it, at Westgate a few years back. Yeah, uh, Ruben, Ruben and Kevin Kleinrock uh, right. run that beautifully. That's one of the best. I love those guys. And, it's and you know, and, and we have a good relationship. They, they hit me up because... They needed a. Uh, they needed something for some of the visas because that's their end in the business. Yep. They provide visas for a lot of the Mexican wrestlers. You know, I didn't understand that it was that difficult to process, but yeah. just handle it with the lawyers and everything else. You yeah. know, I heard uh, he was talking about Dragon Lee, that they're the ones who help negotiate everything. Yep. To get there, I was shocked. I didn't. I didn't know that. And, you know, I was talking with Ruben and he was like, oh, yeah, he's booked on the show, whatever, 17th or 19th, because I knew they were trying to, you know, finalize it. But I haven't seen Santana and Conan reached out to me because, you know, we kind of trained Santana in the beginning. We didn't we didn't make him Mike Jones. It was like, hey, be Santana Jackson, because that's what he was looking to do. And he's had great success on it. And I guess Conan believes bringing him to the Mexican fan base can be really, really big. So now Santana, who's, you know, just happy when I booked him on a show and utilized him in certain situations. Now he's going to get the, probably the best payday he's ever got. Yeah. Wonder if I'm getting a cut. I don't know. I don't know anything about giving me no dough. You know what I'm saying? But that it is what it is. I, I like being helpful. You know what I mean? But I but in the situations with all the guys that have come through the pike, they're gonna work for me for a discounted rate because they know I've 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 gone out of my way to help them. Whether it's yeah. a student who was behind on dues and I let him train. Yeah. So, you know, it's full circle in this business, you know, if you can help people. Yeah, and and that's the thing, um, you know. It's, you know, it's it's the, the, I guess the the benefit that people don't understand is that when you are looking at it from the perspective of what you've created, the best thing most people think about it as. Oh, success equals how much money I can make off of this thing I've created. Now, success is how much success you provide the doors and the opportunities to other people to make their careers happen. That's what your success is. It's nice to, you know, it's nice to have full houses. It's nice to make a few extra dollars here and there, but you know that it's not, you know, unless unless you have TK money, you know, it's that's 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 not the point. The point is, is that you're giving this forum, this opportunity, people to learn from some of the best guys who have done it and be around and work with some of the guys who are on their way, who have either just made it or are, you know, on that ladder to making it. And I think that that sometimes gets lost because a lot of times there's so much ego flying around that you forget that it's not about um, it's not about the the ego. It's about 
the camaraderie. It's about how can we help each other? Because the other thing, just like any other um, sports team, right? Yeah, you have a competitive fire, but in three years, you might be in the same locker room as that person. And now they're your teammate. And you never know when you're going to run into different people uh, in this business. Um, same in entertainment. You never know when you're going to be on set with certain people. If you piss them off, if you're an egomaniac, if you're talking behind their back, if you're doing shit that's not right, then you're blocking yourself from expanding your actual career. And the main goal is to have a successful career so you can provide to have a family, to have kids. You know, it's... It's the way of going about doing it that what people don't realize is that, you know, it's it's a pro, it's a proud papa syndrome, you know, where that's the thing. The thing is, is you're you're benefiting by seeing these guys succeed. And I it's, think it, it, it's funny you say that because uh, I saw Brody King, who I haven't seen in a long time. And we used Brody King early on, very early on in his career. You know, kind of green. Uh, he came up, I think, with Bateman. Uh, we kind of put him in a in a group with, I think, Sin Bodhi, some carnival type thing, I remember. And we used him for a while, dropped off. You know, he was working for, you know, the bargain basement rate because that's what people wanted to do to, to get themselves out as another Santino Brothers guy that they bring over. And uh, Brody had recently signed with Ring of Honor. And I reached out. And I guess he remembers what I wrote. I don't, I don't remember what I supposedly said to him. But he goes, you know, one thing about you, Joe, you were as honest as fuck and said it exactly the way it is. I remember when you hit me up, and I told you my rate, and your response was, "Well, good luck with your career." <laughs> <You're the best. laughs> I don't recall saying that in that Facebook messenger. I might have to go look it up. And if I did, but he was appreciative that I told him, "Like, hey, I get it. I I wasn't trying to like, oh, but for me, you need to do it for this. Hey, that's what you're looking to get. People are paying for you." I can't afford to to pay you that, but hey, appreciate what you did for me in the past, and and you move on, and you know there's guys you see, and, and, and in some situations, you know it was different than early on with like the the crosses and the sefas that once they started getting initial success, the money differential became a little weird because it was. Hey, it was Rikishi's kid. We barely charged him to, to train, you know, cross. Hey, this guy is looking great. You know, he might not have the money for the dues, but he's a guy that we're going to work with. And then all of a sudden the career started to take off and other people are paying him a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah. And, you know, the guys are going to work for, for Manny Lemons in Utah and he's going to fly you in and he's going to pay you, you know, a pretty decent rate to where, you know, all of a sudden FSW, became the back burner if they were around great but we're not really prioritizing you in any way joe and just the way it was and once they got that initial success and then the bump then conversations had 
and we reached a number that was okay with both of us. Right. Because, you know, I could be stubborn. I, I like, you know, I look at it like, oh, man, the motherfucker didn't even pay the train. I gave him like, you know, three months off. And they're like, well, this motherfucker's paying me this and Joe's paying me like half that. So it's like you also have to have enough of a brain to realize, you know what? Each negotiation is different. We're in a different situation now. If right. you want to work together, you're going to come down a little and I'm going to go up a little. And, you know, the conversation was at Vegas ToyCon and I hadn't used Seth in a while. And right. it was the day before basically Vegas closed down. It was March of 2020. Yep. And uh, that Friday night or Saturday night, we were doing Chris Bay versus TNA Impact Wrestling World Champion Tessa Blanchard. Right. And they had a signing. And a lot of places were closing down, and but the toy con stayed open. They didn't give a fuck either. Ray Mysterio, I introduced myself. Hey, blah, 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 blah. Talk to Ray, nice guy. And TJP was there. And Greg Valentine was there. And there was a whole bunch of other people there because right. – some of the Vegas community wrestlers weren't paid to sign, but they showed up to make some money because there was going to be a lot of wrestling fans. Yeah. And I sat down, Sepha was there. We hadn't really talked in a bit, probably hadn't even worked any shows in a bit. And Brian Pillman pulled out. Right. And we had a first round Mecca grand champion tournament match. And Willie Mack is sitting on one side and I don't have an opponent. And I started talking with him. Blah, 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 blah. Had a good conversation. Like, man, you know, got a good show tomorrow. It's going to be loaded. You know, love to have you. I, I have a spot. I, I need somebody to wrestle Willie Matt. And he looked over and he's like, can you do this? And it was not an exorbitant number. And I'm like, absolutely, bro. We did it. They had a great match. Willie Mack won and moved on. But right, but after that, Sefa got back into the fold right. and, and had a huge run. We had a huge run with him after that. Right. And, and you know, he was even kind enough to to make the appearance uh, when we when we had the show. Uh, Casey Navarro was there, right. and, and Danny Limelight was there. Uh, he wrestled Ice and. And Sefa was there, yeah. pretty going away, thanking everybody. And then when we decided we're going to do a poster for Sefa, it was only right. We trained him. He's now in the WWE. And, you know, I'm like, hey, bro, you know, great success. We're doing a, a poster ceremony for the Wall of Fame. It'd be really cool if maybe you can say a, word, a few words to the fans. He's like, are you you guys aren't going to post it on like social media, are you? I'm like, no, I understand you're under contract. This will be just for the fans. He's like, absolutely. Sent it to me the next day, you know, awesome. And, you know, can't thank him enough. You know, LA night goes on inside Vegas to put me over. And as I said, the limelight, he didn't mention Marquez the next day in LA brother. I got the love. I got the love. Yeah, like, now, you, now you just got to get the workshops. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, I need to. But, it, but that's the thing. It's like if he didn't appreciate what I did for him or enjoy being a part of what we're doing, there's right. no fucking way in the world that he's going to fucking shout out my name and my company. Right. 15,000 fans that are, that are at the show. So I must've did something right. So right. it makes me feel good. Cause as I said, you know, if anybody was going to do it, Hey, maybe it's a, a person we trained. They trained at FSW, a Cepha, a Bay, a Cross, a Zoe Stark. But a guy that we brought in who had some success in 2009 and came to Vegas and wrestled a lot of matches for us. Right. And I'm forever thankful for him, you know, mentioning me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, hey, you know what? He remembers me. Right. And remembers that fsw did their best to take care of him and he's showing that he's grateful and you know you 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 can't hope for anything more than that yeah unless they send a check in the mail you know what i'm saying but other than that you know that that, that's a big moment like man i'm 58 years old i don't get that excited about Something that happened. Hey, how was the show? Yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, you got to really blow me away for it to be, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing ever. And it was just like, but fans were hitting me up. People I hadn't talked to in a while. Oh shit. LA mentioned you at the show, you know? And it was just like, wow, that's that, that, that is so super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, when I think back to that uh, that con with Sefa, um, Sefa was at that crossroads because he was he was working a lot. He was you know they just had the the baby, and I think that that conversation that you had with him was kind of that launching point where I think he was getting that fire and going, you know what, if I'm going to make it happen, this is when you know. This is the time to do it. And once he committed to it, that next year just skyrocket. That was it. You know? So, I mean, one simple conversation could have persuaded him to, you know, really just kind of go, hey, this is it. Let's, let's do this. Let's let's make it. Um, because that's got to be hard, too, you know? <laughs> being a legacy and, and everything that goes with it and all the expectations. And sometimes you just want to walk away from that shit for a while. All right. And you know, a guy in his situation, man, he was working two jobs. He was, <laughs> he, you know, living week to week, day to day, week to week, month to month, you know, and you know, that opportunity was right there, but he had to get to that level yeah. to where like, okay, we're ready to bring you in. Yeah. No, there's no guarantee. No, you know, no. I I knew Snooker Jr. when he trained in Vegas with with Rush, yeah. and finally got signed. It was like wow, and then they finally got him involved with uh, the early Bloodline with with Dad Superfly, yeah. and came part of whatever they did with uh, with Cody Rhodes and Ted oh. DiBiase. 
the legacy thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they took, but they brought in Manu and they brought in Snooker Jr., which yeah. didn't last like more than two shows. Right. And then he had the fall from grace because he was dressed as a cameraman and didn't the Undertaker who undershot like 10 feet, but he right. got the same because he didn't catch. Right. But, you know, just because you get signed doesn't mean you're in, you know, and they gave him a good opportunity, took advantage of it. The bloodline thing was hot, kind of walked right into that. And, you know, they've utilized him as, you know, he's pretty much a top guy or a a guy where they're like, oh, if somebody's going to take out Roman Reigns, you know, going to be the guy. They gave him a big victory against John Cena. But unfortunately, after that, I think he's lost 16 in a row. So it was like, wow, that was the kiss of death. You beat Cena. You think that's the start of really making you a major star. Yeah, but in the WWE, that really, that when you beat the major star and then you get that that knockdown, that's your proving ground. No, and he's yeah. been it, it's happened with many, man. I yeah. remember when Miz did it. And it was yeah. like, man, I can't believe it. He lost to Cena. But then they wanted to see, okay, now you hit rock bottom. Are you good enough to get back up? And that's when I became a big Miz fan. As I watched, I'm like, man, this guy's killing it. And Wade Barrett was the same way. And yeah. he was killing it. And mm-hmm. he didn't get that same opportunity after they buried him with the Nexus. That he came back down and was like, okay, now you're bad news, Barrett. And he killed it there. Yeah. And then they ruined that. Like, oh, shit. I remember, like, the Hall of Fame ceremony or something, and he came out, and the crowd, like, he was ready to roll. Like, to yeah. me, it was Drew McIntyre before Drew McIntyre. Sure. And people dig. He looks great. He's been put in good situations. He's gotten over, and he got over more so than Drew McIntyre ever did when he got that early push. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's funny too, uh, you know, with with a guy like Miz, when he started training at EPW, everyone was just like, "Fuck this guy," because he's just a reality guy. When he got to the WWE, people who were like, "Fuck this guy," he's just a reality guy. The guy has constantly, because of one fucking reality show, where he mentioned that this was his dream has had to prove himself twofold and look at, I mean, you have to argue that he's probably had one of the most successful careers because look at his wife, look at his beautiful family, look at, you know, 10 years plus now it's, it's mind blowing because Mike's just a good, Yeah, guy. he was the host of SmackDown. He was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I'm like, man, this guy is garbage. And then all of a sudden, it was like, at one point, he became one of my favorite wrestlers. He was just so entertaining. And even as a heel, you know, you got that, you get that that trigger line, you know. I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. And you got a, you know, you got a full arena screaming it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, you know, uh, again, it's, and you never know, you never know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. But Look certain, at L.A. Knight. I, would, I was just going to say, certain guys. You know, yeah. at best, he was probably hoping, you know, maybe I can get to that mid-card, you know, get some stuff. 
And he and, and he posts, you see him on Facebook, like, how fucking surreal is it that growing up, I'm watching Slim Jim commercials with a macho man. I go in a grocery store and I see my fucking face. Yeah. And I'm the face of this fucking thing that growing up was like the coolest thing was the macho man and snap into a Slim Jim, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's funny. It, it is. It is because I remember... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know him well, but uh, you know, talked to him a little bit uh, over the years, just you know, here and there. And one of the things that um, I mentioned to, him, I'm like, while he was with TNA, it's like, well, do you have an agent, man? Because what I saw in him is, you know, if if you're hitting the point where you might want to start winding down. Let's get you in with someone in Hollywood and get you because he had it. <laughs> he had it somewhere in some place. That guy was going to be in the entertainment industry on something. Many of us said that the first appearance he made got on the mic and we all looked like, what the fuck? Yep. And he had that little run and he got on the Rocks uh, show, the hero. Or whatever it was, right. yep. got signed, and then six months later he was back wrestling Kenny King at the Silverton. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it was the same thing with Cena, man. Back in EPW, you just knew that John was gonna just do something. You know, he was not gonna stop pursuing until he was, you know. Uh, doing something for a living that involved being in front of a camera and those those certain guys you just know um shit they can be 65 they have something it's just when that clicks when that opportunity happens those guys were ready to to make those you know miz and ricker and cena those guys just did not miss that opportunity and it's amazing because they didn't have the legacy. And I think that's one of the coolest things about this business is you don't have to have a legacy coming in. You build your own legacy. And that's what these guys have done. And, you know, I'm sure if uh, if LA Knight wrote you a check now for, what, like, what does he owe you, 200 bucks? No, I owe him, remember? Oh, that's right, Joe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well... Buy a couple shirts. He gets 10, 15% on the, the end, right? Well, I got to go through my, my shit. You know, I got like old posters that say Sean Ricker, Eli Drake. You know, some of them might actually be signed. If not, they will be signed by tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> That's right. You are a New Yorker at heart. You're going to tell me some stranger who sees his picture is going to wonder how Sean Ricker signed his name? I think I can get away with that one. <laughs> Certificate of authenticity. I'll get Scott Hosey to do it. Uh, local wrestling promoter thrown in jail for... <laughs> the, the key was that the autograph was... Eli Ricker, Sean Drake. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. 
Uh, well, again, Friday is uh, the show at the FSW Arena. Uh, the High Octane. The calm before the storm. <laughs> thought it was the road to uh, no escape. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and uh, uh, 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Live on Triller. Right on Triller. Uh, Pre-show match uh, yet? Have you come up with that one? Uh, not sure yet. I don't know. Um, I, I'm looking at what we got. I believe I got seven matches set already. Uh, I know with the MK Army there, Kevin Coe is probably going to be around. So, you know, might have something for him. Yeah. So that'd be that'd be nice to see. Uh, it's always fun to watch a Kevin Coe match. I think he he's one of those guys who keeps showing that he's growing. You know, every time you kind of see him, he, yeah, definitely improving a lot. Yeah, dude, you know, yeah, that's yeah, it's a lot of lot of good talent on this show. Uh, and uh, uh, Dante King, uh, Damian Drake, right? Dante King and Damian Drake, yes. So there's a lot of bad blood going on there. So uh, there you go, high octane, bad blood. <laughs> high octane, the calm before the bad blood storm right. <laughs> on the road to <laughs> no, no escape. escape. <laughs> uh, get get Mikey on that video package right away. There you go. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.